Jim Rome is known for saying, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. We're going to look at that and more on today's Instinctive Influencers podcast. Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Ed Haley. Hi, I'm Brian. And I am Ed. And this is episode two of the Instinctive Influencers podcast. Didn't think we'd make it this far. Number two. <laughs> we haven't been canceled. Uh, no, we haven't. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and again, that would be uh, that would definitely be kind of a upset if they canceled us. Yeah, at podcast two. Uh, but no, I I said that uh, that quote earlier during the opening uh, from Jim Rohn. You know that you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. But I don't think that's completely true in the sense of what if you don't spend the time with them, but you spend a lot of time getting to know who they are or what they've done. What do you think? Oh, that's uh, yeah, I think it has to be something else to it than just that you spend time with. Cause I'm be honest with you away from work. I'm very kind of to myself. Uh, I do spend time outside doing other things, but for the most part, I mean, I'd be averaging out my wife, my puppy Patton, my son. I, my average wouldn't be the same. Uh, I do think uh, that you are a reflection of who you surround yourself with on a more personal basis or even professional. Yeah. Uh, I had a, a first sergeant a few years ago. And we're gonna, uh, I'm going to talk about him down the road, but he absolutely said millionaires hang out with millionaires mm-hmm. right? uh and and it's very true right yeah. like yeah you know bill gates is not hanging out with a panhandler it's just no. not what he's gonna do uh and i think that's an influence thing is you know you are kind of in a, who you hang out with so yeah definitely and th- but that's what i was getting at too you know like i love like the first time i heard that i want to say i heard that on the order of man podcast and i was like wait that makes makes a lot of sense you know but then I thought about it more and more, and I thought, well, I don't think it's always who you hang out with. Because, for instance, we talked about in the last podcast the long drive that I take every day. And I uh, I drive, and I listen to – I listen. I don't really listen to much talk radio, but I listen to podcasts, and I listen to audiobooks. I kind of phased out of the listen to music on long drive because I think it's boring, and I'm constantly trying to learn something new. But with that, I thought to myself, well, if I'm listening to the same – uh, podcast, uh, maybe it's Jocko, or maybe it's that Ryan Mickler guy from The Order of Man. But if I'm listening to those guys, am I considered hanging out with them? Because that's an influence upon me in a sense. That's part of the five that I'm hanging out maybe. You know, I hang out with you. I hang out with the, the Bearded Ninja. Uh, I used to hang out with our old first arm, you know, all the time. Those are the type of people. And I felt like I was a mixture of them, you know. Maybe maybe it's I'm hanging out by uh, listen, reading a book. Now, am I influenced on that book, uh, or am I a part of? Is that part of my my is repertoire? That part of your average is that part yeah, of your yeah, average? Yeah. Hey, I'm reading this author. I'm reading, you know, whatever it, it, it could be. Is am I part of that? Uh, is that part of my average of who I hang out with? That's interesting because I didn't really. When I hear it, I don't think of it. I think hang out with. Like let's yeah. go to the bowling alley and throw some balls down the lane. Let's uh, 
let's go shoot nine holes. I think about that as hanging out, but yeah, I mean that's that's uh, that's interesting. I will say one thing I know is there are people that I will work with, and I will work hard with, and I don't mind being around at work. But I can absolutely tell you, I would never hang out with this person away from a professional environment. You know what I mean? Like because they're just not. You know, uh, we had a guy here one time. And I used to say, I he wasn't the greatest sergeant, yeah. but he was a great dude. And yeah. I've, you've often heard me yeah. separate. Hey, Sergeant such and such is not that great, but Christopher is a good guy. And I, we're not really talking about a guy named Christopher, by the way. But I, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about because we've had that conversation a thousand times. And I think that it's very much as two different people. Like you can be terrible at work in the military. Uh, but your personality outside might be more favorable. So, yeah, they're definitely, for me and my average, it's tough because at work I hang out with some people that are like, <sighs> and then when I go home, I'm a much more controlled mm-hmm. environment. Um, I have neighbors. Uh, he was a student of mine about two months ago, and he's lived in across the street. Literally, if I drove straight up my mm-hmm. driveway, I would drive in his front door. He lived right. there for a year. And he's in my classroom, and he says, hey, Sarn, how you doing? I'm like, hey, Sarn, what's up? He's like, yeah. I'm your neighbor. And I go, are you? And the only reason I realized, I said, oh, do you have the little girl? So he has a little daughter. She's about two, three years old. Mm-hmm. And when I leave for work, she'll be at the front door waving as I pull off, and I'll wave to her. So I've had more interaction with his three-, four-year-old daughter yeah. Or two, three-year-old daughter waving to me yeah. than him until he was my student. And now I'll talk to him. And it's all nonverbal communication with her, too, if yeah. you think about it. I mean, you never really talk to her. You're just waving, being nice. But And that's – so that's where I'm looking at with this Jim, the, uh, Jim Rohn thing. Uh, you, you are the average of five people you spend the most time with. But we're going to take this a little bit further. So this episode – is and you may have heard it during the first podcast or during our intro of it it's give me five five influencers that is that's the title of it and what we're going to do is we're going to talk about five influencers that we can throw into that average of who we are now does it mean we're dealing with that particular one at this moment probably not but they're influencers over time so if you really think about it it's you're the average of the five influences you've had in life, possibly. At no point will this be like this. Like, for instance, my list I came up with, there are big influences that I wrote out, um, but they're not like the number one influence or the, the least influence. They're just influences in my life. You know, I don't know about yours, if yours is like a numbered one or anything, but, and we didn't share this on purpose because we want to kind of. No, we didn't. I, you know, there's ones that could be there, and to be fair, you know, let's say my kids, all right? So they have had an impact on my life. They did influence me in some way. Yeah. But so if we're going to talk about five. Well, my kids are two. So now I only got three left. So I purposely did not yeah. put my children in. Same thing with my siblings. My siblings influence me all the time. Uh, it could be good. It could be bad. You know, mm-hmm. a number of years ago, I may have had a few too many drinks with them and got my leg shaved at 35 years old, 40 <laughs> years old. They influenced me. Not to drink. I honestly didn't drink for almost three years after that. Uh, not a drop really? because they had that impact on me. So I'm not going to talk about my brother and sister as one of my five because <laughs> there's two of them. And, you know, if you say one, 
Yeah. The other one's mad. And if you say the other one, the other <laughs> one, I'm not dealing with that. Well, you right? know what you're going to have to deal with it after they listen to this podcast. <laughs> they know what they did to me. Oh. Uh, they know what they did. And yeah. then same thing I did my parents. I, I think the parent thing, you don't have to talk about necessarily, in yeah. my opinion, because we know it, right? Like, yeah. We know yeah. it. You know, my, my old You're going to be mom. shocked with one of mine, bro. You're going to so. be, because, and that's the whole point. So all of you listen, throughout this podcast, you're going to notice we talk very little about what we're going to talk about outside of what we're talking right now during the podcast, because we want it to be not only a learning experience for us, but also for you, but it creates a different type of conversation. It gives a little bit more, it's dynamic. I'm in not crying. Sense. I didn't say you were going to cry. I'm just making sure you know. Oh, uh, I mean. I, I tried to get you on the last podcast. Yeah, yeah, I know. I tried. Yeah, right? well, I, And I'm not talking about you on this one. You didn't make the list. I've got one here that will probably try to make my own self cry. Just, well, I'm not going to say. <laughs> but I'm just saying these are. We're going to. Let's just get a jump into it. All right. You're going right. to go first. I'm going to go second. Uh, we're just going to keep going through these. We'll talk a little bit about them. We'll discuss them. And maybe, maybe some of them are the same. We don't know. It could be. It could be. We've worked together or been in the same organization together yeah. twice now. And, uh, yes. Really that's, since 2012. Yeah, we so. talked about it before. So that's, I mean, what's that? That's six years Almost together? Six, oh, man. So three Almost and three. six years. But that last organization, like we said, we didn't really get to know each other until towards the But we did see some partially. people that influenced us. Oh, yes. And that actually is an excellent transition into my first one. So my question is, can a negative uh, person, negative leader, a toxic leader, can they have an influence on us? Well, I don't see why not. And so my first one is absolutely a really bad leader that I had. And actually for a little bit kind of led me astray. And then I realized what he was doing and I, I fixed it. So basically, not going to use names. I'm going to protect the innocent on this one. If they're positive, you'll probably hear a name. Not this one. So he was my platoon sergeant. And. Oh, I already know it. <laughs> oh, I already know it. This, uh, this guy couldn't speak without profanity. And yeah. one of the most impactful things he did to me is. So we, we did mock boards. You know, uh, promotion boards. So for the soldier to get ready to go up and get promoted, they had to go before a board. And mm -hmm. we would actually do a pretend one mock to prep yeah. them. Absolutely. And we did have a good streak. And that was part of the problem I had with him is I would say, hey, you're doing X, Y, and Z wrong. That's not right. And he would say, but we mm -hmm. won Soldier of the Month again. And yeah. we actually won like eight in a row. Our soldiers won Soldier of the Month. So his methods were terrible, but he was getting his desired outcome. So I had a lot of problem with him trying to get him to overcome yeah. that. But this guy, I mean, I seen him jump up on tables and smack tables and yell at people in these mock boards, and I'm like, this yeah. is so unprofessional. Uh, it's ridiculous. Now, I did get upset at one guy. Mm -hmm. he's, a, he's a country guy, great guy. Um, his name was Sergeant Wilson. Awesome uh, non-commissioned officer. He mm -hmm. ended up getting out of the Army, had some medical problems. And Wilson says, well, I just ain't getting it because I'm a redneck. And I said, I don't want to hear that come out your mouth again. Yeah. Because you're making an excuse. And Wilson really did struggle retaining stuff for boards. And uh, he, he, he got him all worked up. So I have a soldier. Mm -hmm. Excellent soldier. Right. And the soldier is very Christian. Very adamant. I'd never heard this soldier cuss before. Right. And he's in the board. 
and I'm on the board, and his first line supervisor is sitting as the sponsor. And the soldier is just tanking this board. He's doing terrible in this mock board. And the platoon sergeant starts screaming and cussing at this soldier, Mm -hmm. and he throws him out. And as the soldier's leaving, he tells me and the other NCO to get in front of him, and he, he puts us at parade rest or whatever. And he starts to scream at us, and as the soldier's leaving, and he's outside the tent, I can hear him scream at the top of his lungs the F word. Yeah. And I was shocked. I couldn't believe I was here. I wasn't even thinking of this guy yelling at me because I don't respond well to the, the screaming and shouting. Yeah. And after the fact, I asked the soldier, I said, why was why'd you use profanity? That's mm. not your character. And he said to me, because, Sergeant, I got you and Sergeant Richardson cussed out and i felt bad wow that's an that's an influence man that, that's an influence on sergeant richardson and myself like that soldier was really upset about that yeah but that's a that's a two-way influence yeah yeah you think about it because you all have influenced him as leaders that he cared so much about you that it upset him that you would get in trouble because he didn't do good enough and that that's amazing. And let me tell you, it's really funny about that soldier. Is he left Fort Campbell mm-hmm. in 2015. Yeah. 15. He left 2015 because I was still on the disabled list. And uh, I talked to him this weekend. Yeah. He called me and, and we talked. And he said, hey, I'm doing this. I'm going here. Still in the Army. He's getting married. And he, this whole thing. He just wanted to update me on his career and where he was. And I said, that's awesome. Now talk to me about your soldiers, and he get laid out what he's done for his soldiers. So, but back to the platoon sergeant. So, that's just one example. But so then we go day shift, night shift, right? Common sense says where we were in the world was hot. I'm not working my soldiers to death mm-hmm. in the heat. So we went day shift, night shift, minimal manning in the days, maximum uh, manning at night. And he turned it into a divide. And it became me versus him. And day shift versus night shift. And he, as, as a platoon sergeant, he fed it. He fed that divide yeah, through his that's... actions and what he said. And, and he really, like, um, even within our company, like, he would call our first sergeant the last sergeant. And he would do these things behind his that's back. That's so disrespectful. And in front of soldiers. That's bad. So that, it was so toxic. And I was like... And I did buy into the day shift, night shift, you know. Hey, you guys aren't doing anything. And after a while, I started sitting back and I said, he is making me what I am not. Because I was so angry at mm-hmm. him. Yeah. And um, I, I just, the, the last straw was really, he, so we stopped talking. So we got into it, had a big, huge fallout. He wasn't happy because uh, I was getting a lot of credit for the mission I was doing. And he wasn't doing anything. And his evaluation reflected and he was not happy. And we got into it. And uh, so after we got into it real heavy, he stopped talking to me. So he would be like, hey, tell Sergeant, you know, Ed, he's got PT test, uh, physical fitness test. Mm-hmm. Tell Sergeant Ed he's flying out on this day. Like he was using so the subordinate soldier to both of us, mm-hmm. he was sending to give me messages because he wouldn't talk to me. And uh, then we were out, and we were, you know, we're laying our stuff out for customs and stuff. And uh, he says, "Where's all the paperwork for the customs?" I said, "It's on your desk where I told you it was." He's <laughs> like, "Oh, 
you messed up. You messed up, sorry. Get in the front lane arrest. And I'm like, uh, looking around, I see all these soldiers. I said, yeah, that's not happening. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't going to let him steal my power base in front of my yeah. subordinate. Yeah. I said, hey, sir, we can go around here and we can talk. Yeah. And we can, you know, discuss what's going on. But mm-hmm. I am not letting you belittle me in front of soldiers. That, and that was the end of that. That was yeah. the last straw, you know, like. That, you know what, that falls along on the lines of what we talk about with the how more on leadership thing, where he talks about praise in public, you discipline in, you punish, I'm sorry, you discipline in private. And that's what, like, I don't think he understood that. But then again, he probably learned that from someone. He's, Somewhere along the line. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. I do believe that toxic leadership is not, I don't just wake up one day and go, well, I'm toxic. Like, I want to be a mean person to others. We learn to be yeah. leaders. Yeah. For our influences. So maybe he had that, but you couldn't talk to him. No. He, he didn't see it. And I know you had a lot of interaction with him as well. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not going to talk about How about that? Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, I just. Because I do, I'm not saying, I, I don't hate anyone. I just, it's not in me. Uh, but I despise the type of person he was towards others. And that really. You know, and so what you said, you said uh, that particular person, he would, he got under your skin and turned you a certain way. I decided people like that, I'm just not going to pay attention to, you know, and you could tell there was a rift between us, um, others, well, in, in whatever, but, and that's, I'm not, that's what I say, like, I, it's funny when you brought it up, I knew exactly who it was. I, and I was like, man, this dude, you know, but where you went with this is, that is one of the people who has influenced you. That's one of those five, you know, it just picking out a five that, but what did it influence you to do or not to do? Well, it influenced me a couple ways. Um, so one thing in the military, when it's time for promotion, we say they're gone. And we had a, a guy, he just, he wasn't ready. And uh, the guy had got caught like punching holes in his target in front of, he was cheating in front of soldiers at the range. And this platoon sergeant's like, he's going to the board. I said, no, he's not. And he says, oh, he's going to the board, Sarge. I said, I tell you what, if he goes to the board, you're taking him. Because my name won't be attached to him. That's just not going to happen. And he ended up taking him to the board. He took that, that, that NCO to the board. So mm. it showed me there's a value. Like, you have to stand up for you believe in. I very much could have went into my first sergeant and said, here's his packet. I'm not taking him to the board. Because... Right. At the end of the day, they're going to look at that packet and the recommender, and they're going to say, oh, Sergeant such-and-such recommended him. That's not my. That's not going to be my reputation. Yeah. And so he taught me that. That day shift, night shift thing, I watched it happen. And mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm very aware of that. So when you start dividing your group, mm-hmm. a squad is strongest when it's whole. Yes. And, and it was a smart decision because of the heat. We were mm-hmm. getting them soldiers out of heat, but mm-hmm. – Maybe I, I could have rotated, and, and I was guilty. So I had the ones, and I used to call my, my E4 mafia, my specialist mafia. I could go get a truck that had to be unloaded, and when I brought that truck back to our yard to unload, they were there on two forklifts with two guides mm-hmm. waiting to unload it, mm-hmm. and I had a brand-new lieutenant. I said, watch this, sir, and they just moved without me. Yeah. I had no guidance from me, yeah. and I got caught up in that, and – was like, well, I'm not switching out anybody for my night shift or the day shift because I felt like I had the cream of the crop. But why can't I take that day shift and make them the cream of the crop? Do the same thing with them. Yeah, maybe it's going to hurt at first, right? Maybe that forklift driver is not going to be as good at first, but eventually they'll get there. 
Right. So that was an influence for him. I'm very aware of those type of things that I had problems with from him. Oh, I got you. I see what you're saying. Yeah. All right. So we talked about your first one, um, and it was really a negative one that we're trying to change. Um. Uh, um. Uh, so we're gonna go to my first one. Uh, I would definitely say I see I got these five, and I don't know which one to say first, but I would go with I'm just gonna go with my son Ethan. My son Ethan. That's my buddy. Yeah, <laughs> that's my little, buddy. My little man. Um, his influence on me since uh, I'd say about 18 months. My wife will listen to this. She'll know what happened at 18 months. But put it this way. We light it up blue every April because, you know, where he's at in life. Uh, but his struggles with his uh, learning and stuff has became, has became, I don't know, it's like an eye-opener to me. The fact that he can have a hard time with something and then he can just engage in other things and he can learn and become a better, you know, a better kid. And, and it, it's just something about him. He... It's funny, he, he may not understand how to do simple things sometimes. But I threw him a, a – I didn't really throw it to him. I, I, let him. I let him play my Xbox once, right? And not too long ago. I let him play it. I didn't think the kid would understand all the little buttons on it. That dude was – like I look over – like probably 10, 15 minutes later, he's like clicking like he's been playing it forever. And I'm like, how in the world? It's just – it kind of – to me, that's an influence. That's an inspiration to see what he's capable of. From where he started, you know, you know, he obviously his language, he had a hard time in the beginning to learn how to speak and stuff. But he we we push him. But at the same time, it's funny how he pushes himself at the same time. You know, his goal in life. It's not like I want to be a fireman or I want to be a police officer. or I want to be a soldier like you, dad, or I want to do this. His goal in life. I want to be a gentleman. That's literally his goal, man. Like, he says, Dad, I want to grow up to be a gentleman. He also likes to tell me he wants to have a big chest, and that's why he does push-ups. But and that's funny, too. because you he tell him a, that gentleman doesn't pay very well initially. He's got to find a yeah. job to go along with being a gentleman. I think he's going to learn. But you know what? That's an influence to me to, to make me want to be more of a gentleman uh, in any type of situation. So let me, let me, uh, let me rewind to a, a scene. I would say it was probably... It was two weeks ago, so we're sitting at church, um, and we're sit- we actually weren't we didn't go in the auditorium piece. We we're actually sitting back in the back because we we're getting ready to go to the classes and whatnot after, uh, after they spoke. But I we saw this elderly lady. She's coming up to the door, and she's got a, a like a, a rolly wheel walker. It's got the brakes and everything on it. And he saw her. He looked at her. He looked at me and said, "I'll be right back, Dad." And then he ran over there and opened that door no for her. Way. And he helped. Yes, man. Seven years old, bro. He, like, I get, I'm sitting here. I get goosebumps. You can see him on me right now. I'm thinking about <laughs> it. Because he's, like, how special he is and what he did. And uh, the fact that he recognized that somebody could use his help and he decided to go help them. And, like, and then he knows that's being a gentleman. And I was like, man. That's awesome. So it influences me to want to continue doing that for him, you know, not only for him, but for myself too. Cause I think inside of us all as men and women can be the same way, a lady, you know, cause this podcast is not strictly for men. This is, you know, women listen too, and they can get something out of it, you know, 
but whether men or women, to be gentlemen or ladies, like that's something that's important. That's important to society and life to pass on to our children. So to have that influence and to be able to go that direction, to me, that's important. Um, and that's why I picked, I put my son, Ethan, on there because I think he's a big influence to my life. Like just watching him, listen to him. Uh, and I'll tell you another story in just a second, but what do you got? I, you're smiling. Man, so Ethan, he, he is a gentleman. So, you know, uh, so we share, we have the same barber. And we, all three of us have the same barber. Our barber, absolutely, we have Ethan talks. So sometimes you'll tell me he did something, you know, maybe he got in trouble or he did something, you know, out of the way. Uh, and she'll say, yeah, good Ethan stories? And I'll tell her, you know, yeah. and, and the yeah. gentleman thing. Yeah. So he's so, he has that personality. And um, I sat in your office one day, he was in there, and he was doing, you know, playing his little pad and stuff. And I was asking him questions, and he's just answering away, and we have a little conversation yep. going. So, yep. Ethan is definitely a little gentleman. He's a little you. Oh yeah, maybe you know if people see pictures of him, they ever get on, you know, they get to be friends with me on Facebook, they see pictures of him. But yeah, he looks identical to me as a child. But a funny story, two different stories here. One, he has fired me and my wife yes. multiple times. <laughs> multiple times, he has told us, "You're fired," and it's because we've made him mad because we will. We so part of what we're trying to do with him is is a young man is we try, we'll push him to his limit to get him to realize limits are okay to reach and we just not need how to deal with them and so mm. we do it on purpose but he'll tell us we're fired and that like it just kills me but another funny story so the fired one might be one of my favorites by the way oh it's funny. that's definitely one of my favorite it's stories. funny man but uh, we like to go bike we like to go cycling like you and I we love cycling together but we also and, and with me my wife and my and both my two, my two children that live with me uh, we have we cycle but for the kids we have that trailer bike thing where you hook the bike to the back of our bicycle so so my wife she pulls uh, Eva the little one and then I pull Ethan well I got these click in shoes by the way I got them from you that I think I still owe you some money on I, uh, I believe you do uh, so we'll we'll work that out uh, but <laughs> So I, I wore them, and my buddy later on told me it was a bad idea. You never pull your kids while you're wearing those click-in shoes that lock you in. So I'm wearing those shoes. I'm locked in, and we slow down. But I couldn't unclick them fast enough, and I fell. And I fell with him <laughs> on the back. And he, you know, he, he didn't cry, but he was whining real hard. And I was like, oh, man, come on. You be tough. You got it. You good. So we get a little bit further down the road, and my wife, she's in front of me, and she stops, and I wasn't paying attention. It's totally not her fault. It was my fault. Uh, I wasn't paying attention. She's going to love the fact that I said something was my fault, not hers. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I wasn't paying attention, and I almost run into her, and I stop real quick. Handbrakes didn't click out fast enough on the feet. I go to fall over. Little dude jumps off, and all he's saying, I jumped off. I didn't get hurt. You fell. And I'm like, Wait, dude. Uh, okay, yeah, I got it. And he was literally—it was almost like he was trying to make fun of me that he, I fell and he didn't. But, but yeah, Ethan—he's one of those. He's just an influence to me. Now that doesn't take away from my other two children. My other two children are wonderful little. And I just wanted to bring him up this one time. Maybe we'll talk about the others another time. But that was one of my five. So I would say being a parent is a massive influence in life. You learn. There is no manual for being a parent. I wish there was, but there isn't. You know. So. Yeah, that uh, I don't know if you ever saw that baby, but what to expect when you're uh, expecting? No. Yeah, those only get you so far. Nah, nah, I'm good. I, I, you know what? My wife read some of it. I don't know if she read the whole. I don't know what she read in it. I never read one piece. 
And you know what? My little humans are still living. I'm just going to put it out there. That's a bonus. That's a that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I did my first one. You do your first one. Now it's number two for you. What you got? Oh, well, I'm going to go with a professional one. Uh, we're going to talk about his name is Command Star Major Wright. And yeah, I don't know him. He's an engineer. He's actually a carpenter by trade. Uh, uh, he was my first sergeant when I was deployed my third time. And uh, he, so before we deployed, the, the supply sergeant wasn't cutting it. Right. And, yeah, that's his name, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So he calls me to the office, and the supply sergeant is sitting outside his office where he apparently fired him and told him, you sit there every day from now on. And he says, I need you to be my supply sergeant. I said, that's not really my MOS, my military occupational special. That's not my job. And this says, Wait, because your job, because you are now, though, right? No, supplied- so it's two different pieces of supply. So I do I do logistics, okay. but not that, not at the company. I usually in motor pool, warehouse. Okay. Um, so he says, I need you. I said, if you're telling me to do it, I'll do it. I'm just telling you it's not my normal job, and there's going to be some growing pains. And he says, you'll be fine. So now I'm doing a job I've never done before, never been trained for. And one of the things, he, so he influenced me by teaching me something about being humble is one of the first ways. Because I had to let the subordinate soldiers teach me my job. Mm. I had to get into books and research yep. and admit my shortcomings. I had to call other supply NCOs and say, hey, I don't know how to do this. Can mm-hmm. you show me how to fill out this? Um, the property book officer showed me how to fill out all kinds of paperwork and stuff. So I had to humble myself. And that was one of the very first things he taught me. But the events leading up to my hiring, another lesson. And I've since I've read this recently again. Don't answer no for somebody else. Until you've attempted it or you've done it, don't say no. Don't say well, I'm not going to do that because Brian's going to say no anyway. I'm not going to ask him. And what the problem was with that supply guy is he <laughs> yeah. would request things through the supply guy, and the supply guy would go, yeah. well, I can't get that. Well, you haven't even left my office yet. Mm-hmm. So we were at the National Training Center in Fort Irwin, California, and he wanted a barber's kit, which is another whole funny story about the barber kit. He wanted a barber's kit, the first R did. And the supply guy's like, I can't get that. And he's like, these engineers need haircuts. I need a barber ski. He's like, I can't, I can't get it. Right. So because he kept saying, I can't, no, um, even stuff like logistic support to the soldiers, uh, getting milk and, and Gatorade and stuff to support them on their missions in the training center. He was like, I can't do that. And it wasn't that he couldn't. It's just that he was asleep yeah. on his cot. Uh-huh. Or playing spades or whatever else he was doing. So the first son kept this in the back of his head. And we probably weren't back from the training center two weeks when he fired him. And he did his due diligence. He had his counseling and all this other stuff. And I, I don't see it very often in my career. He absolutely gave him a relief for cause. Woo. So when I say he fired him, he fired him. Yeah, that's bad juju where we're from. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, he taught me, oh, man, there's so many different lessons. Uh, so we deploy. And he says, I'm going to teach you about being the common enemy sometimes. And I didn't understand what he meant. He says, just watch. So we go to the company meeting, and he puts out in the company meeting because we're, we're getting ready to deploy back to the States. And he says, if a soldier beats me on the APFT, the Army Physical Fitness Test, on the extended scale, 
they can have my first class seat. Now, this first sergeant was 6'2", 6'3", probably 250-pound solid muscle, like just a rock. Beast mode. Yeah, but he made himself an enemy of the company because everybody wanted that seat. And the PT average went up like 30 points in the company. Because he did that, everybody was like, stand a scale, stand. And he did lose. Uh, a medic, still in the Army, got Staff Sergeant Booth. He's a medic. Booth scored like a 356 on the extended scale. So first time was slick, though. He really didn't intend on losing because what he did is he knew the soldiers wouldn't account for his age. Ah, hell yeah. So Booth oh. beat him on the 20-year-old scale because Booth was really young. Yeah. And first star, now star Major Wright was like, I'm older. I can beat anybody because of my scale. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he did not. And Booth did get that first class seat. Um, That's cool. And he, just constant. Uh, my NCO or my non-commissioned officer evaluation report was due, and he read it, and he called in the lieutenant. And he says, "This is the worst thing I've ever seen in my career." So Haley, you will write this block, right. and then come see me. So I wrote the block, and he huh. says, "Tomorrow you will write this block, and come see me." And when I would go see him, he'd say, "Okay." Well, you need to change this. And when mm-hmm. you're doing this, you want to have numbers in this block. Right. You want to quantify this yes. block. So he was guiding me. And, and it wasn't necessarily the right thing to write my own, but he was guiding me on how to do it. But he was teaching you, man. He was absolute professional yeah. growth. And years later, yeah. I took over a, a warehouse. Yeah. And they're like, hey, you have six sergeants, and you rate them all. Mm-hmm. If I hadn't have done that with Sergeant Major Wright, oh, yeah. I wouldn't have known how to write an NCOER. No. No. So is, is this he, the same guy? Hold on. Is this the same guy that uh, the three meter zone book lent him my three meter zone book? Yeah, <laughs> and it became his. I got one back, but it did become his because yeah. he had never seen it, and he had got so comfortable with me. He, so he would come to my office when we were deployed, and he was frustrated. Right, and he would just sit down. Hey, we'll uh, we're gonna. I'll uh, put the title of that book and along with the author of that three because that is a I really cannot, good book. It is, and I can't remember the author off top author off top yeah. of my head. Well, you know, it's a funny thing we got these little magical devices in front of us <laughs> called a cell phone. But yeah. I will. What I'm going to do is I'm going to make sure I add things like that to the show notes, um, and I'll and just small things like that, like the book name or maybe a podcast we talk about. But I I, I didn't want to take away from your story. Yeah, yeah, no, great. you're fine. But it's really good to capture things because that's something you taught me that book and i bought it i have it's at my house and i like the thumb because it's not one of those ones that you have to read all through you can just read a chapter or read a section of a chapter and learn so much from it but it's just funny that story you've told me i think you told me like three times about how he took your book yeah he definitely took my book uh and and so i had some challenged soldiers they were they were issues and i and i really learned a lot of professional growth from dealing with them um And we would take turns. So sometimes I would go in his office and sit down, and he'd be like, come on in here. Or he would see it in my face. I would walk through uh, the command area, and he would see it in my face. And he'd be like, come here. And I'd go in there, yes, first time, he said, sit down. Mm-hmm. And I would sit down, and we would just talk. We would talk the great Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. We were both Laker <laughs> fans, so we would talk the great Kobe Bryant and the Lakers. Uh, I'm not going to talk about him being <laughs> All right, whatever. Um, we would talk about stuff like that until uh, I, he could tell I had calmed down. He'd be like, okay. Yeah. So, he, he, man, uh, college. This guy was going two classes at a time, deployed, running an engineer company who was doing missions where sometimes we were not in a um, operating base. We were, mm-hmm. we were throwing wire around the trucks and making a road out in the middle of Iraq. 
And yeah. so he's managing all these. And he had three platoons. Yeah. And each platoon would be doing a different project. Right. So he may have nobody on the, the camp we were on uh, in Talil, Iraq. But he's got all these outlying soldiers he's got to worry about. And yet he still would stay at work and he would sacrifice sleep and do two college classes at a time down there. And then his, so you know what his question was? What? What you get on your exam, son? Uh, well, I got a B first time. I got an A. I think he got some work to do. And he made it a competition between him and I. Yeah. And we would start comparing notes right. on our grades. Two different classes. He was doing some business stuff, but just total impact. So I'm getting what I'm getting from your story, and because I've heard you talking about him before, it, he's not a boastful person, but he's a motivation through competition person. Yeah, because he is an athlete, so he's a track star in high school and before right. the army, and he was. He was very much. He motivated you by mm-hmm. giving you that common enemy, that competition mm-hmm. piece. Yes, um, and he was a a, a reward award guy. Like, uh, you know, as a sergeant E five, I got a meritorious service medal. Ooh. That was unheard of in yes. most units. Well, he gave out five of them. Good night. So he gave a specialist one. And because we were going on missions, and same thing for me, it really wasn't my job to go out on missions, mm-hmm. but I might have snuck out a few times. And yeah. uh, he grounded me and told me, you will not leave this wire again and go off this camp. And then I'd wait till he forgot and go again. So yeah. those were the things he did. And to this day, if I get a evaluation, I send it to him. If I write an evaluation, I send it to him. What do you think, Sergeant Major? And he looks at it, and that's why I know he's uh, he's currently uh, Command Sergeant Major right now. But I've been in touch with him for – That's good. I think I left his charge in 2011. I left him and uh, – Then you came to us. Yeah. And, the way we were. Yes, I did. And yeah. I came to Fort Campbell. Him and I still yeah. talk. So, yes. So, I went from – there's a reason I put him there. So, I went from this negative impact leader yes. to this very positive – uh-huh. Uh, and and I'm very good at pushing so my soldiers. I would push them. We would go work out together, and and I'd say, well, I mean, I'm in my 40s, and I'm bench pressing what you are. And then they would work harder. Yeah. And then yeah. they'd be like, hey, Sarn, I did this today, and this is my my new PR, or my my record, you know. And so I was using that to push them, you know. Um, right. And, and effectively, I, I think, but he he's definitely had that info, and I'm still doing college, so. That's awesome. <laughs> all, I mean, all these years later. I mean, and, and, you know, we are, the good thing is in, in that same sense of the college thing. So we do get that benefit. That's one of those benefits we get uh, with what we do. Uh, but it's not like we get a lot, you know, of money for college. We get enough to do a couple classes a year, but then we have to flip the bill on some of them sometimes. But that's really not the point about it. The point about it is, is he influenced you in the same manner you talked about that one soldier earlier uh, was going to the board and how he got upset. He influenced you just like you influenced the kid before you, that other kid. And it's you. That's a true. That's just a continuous cycle. And those are the type of people I think. And and, and it doesn't matter in the military. It doesn't matter. You know, it, it, in family, it doesn't matter where it is in in your church life or in in a business life, whatever it is. It's that type of attitude, that type of learning environment, that type of acceptance. That should that should be bred more. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's amazing. Yeah. Know? No. Absolutely. So. I I agree with you 100. percent Yeah. All right. So you you just hit your number two. I'm actually just gonna go down through my list because I don't want to do any particular order. Um, well, I may I'm gonna flip a couple <laughs> of them. I'm gonna twist a couple because I do. There's one I wanted to make. I'm gonna save for last. But my next one is a fictional character. 
um, has a series of movies. Uh, one of them I do not consider a part of that series. It's the number five. One through four, and then the one after that I consider as part of the series, but number five I don't. Do you know what I may be talking about? Oh. One through four. Can't be the Star Wars. No, no, no. Because no. the first three don't exist yeah. to me. This is a series about a person, so to speak, and the, the last one was his name. All of them have his name in it. Rocky. Rocky Balboa. <laughs> Which, I'm, one, which one are you not counting? I don't count number five, man. That Tommy Guns one does not count in my book. Wait, that that was... I did not like. I like the rock. I love Rocky movies. So, I put that on here because that was a huge influence to me. You watch Rocky one, right? And you think, man, he's gonna win. And it's that it's that typical nobody against the champion of the world, you know that type of thing. But you know, you think, and I mean, goodness, that that movie was what, seventeen uh, nineteen seventy six. I want to say uh, it came out. That was before I was born. Uh, we're not going to talk about where that was in your life. But, um, but you you think, you know, in what most movies now, the, the underdog wins. But not in Rocky. Not in the first Rocky. He lost. Yeah. He lost yeah. in a draw. But it was nothing about him winning. That movie had nothing to do with him winning. It was all about him reaching a goal that he set for himself, and he did that. He wanted to go to the distance. He Wait, wanted to go the distance he, with the champ. He really did win, though, because uh, well, I'm pretty sure that that was the best picture the year it was released. So, in the end, the actor, Sylvester Stallone, who did write that first one. He did. He absolutely won in the end because oh, he had a best yeah, picture now, yeah. uh, award. Number two was pretty good, too. I thought that was a really good one. Number three. Okay, so number three and number four. I have a hard time picking which one's my favorite because I love Mr. Tia's Club of Lang, right? I also love the idea that it was Rocky and Apollo together. And let's let's dive into that. Apollo influenced Rocky to win after Mick died, right? Yeah. And yeah. then his wife was like, what's wrong with you? And he's like, I can't. You know, and he's like screaming all that stuff. And they're back and forth. He's like, what do you have to lose? You know, she says, what do you have to lose? And I'm like. Like, I get, see, once again, got goosebumps, buddy. Um, I'm just trying to figure out how you're ignoring Thunderlips in that movie. Oh, you're talking about Hulk Hogan? Hulk no, Hogan. no, no, no. So that movie launched Hulkamania, though. That movie had an influence on his career. Yeah, it did. And after that movie, his popularity started to rise. It did. WWE, I got it. It's not a, it's a fictional, not fictional, but it's a sports entertainment business. Right. But that movie launched Hulkamania, which is arguably one of the biggest. That guy is recognized worldwide. Well, it carried him through, what, the late 90s and, and beyond? Yeah. yeah. You think about it with him, and, and I know we're branching off, we're spider webbing. You think about it. What he did for that particular enterprise, that particular entertainment, it leaps and bounds beyond what it was before him. You know. Oh yeah, by far. By far, because you think about it. Before that, it was like they were doing wrestling matches in small arenas, like gyms and stuff like that. Once he started the build up, I mean, you talk Madison Square Garden well, pay per views. The pay per views, and now look at it. it's worldwide. You know, and one of the happy things about it, and I know we branched off. We're gonna get back to Rocky, but 
one of the happy things was to know that these guys are going out and they're going to areas. And you told me a story about one of them showing up to a fob that you were at downrange, but they're going to these places that are dangerous to see our service members. Love it. I, that's yeah. And it's in it's in that it's in that whole realm. And maybe we'll talk about that particular one that you later on. But what I want to get was is the Rocky Balboa story. He went from rags to riches. Then he. And then he was on top in part two and went higher and won. Part three, he went from the top to the bottom again. Well, he didn't really go to bottom, but he became number two again and came back to the top. Part four, he was, what, semi-retired? Yep. Best buddy, or his buddy died. He went back to the top again and fought Ivan Drago. (laughs) Yeah. By the way, I don't know if you know it, there's a Creed two. Guess who's fighting? No way. I'm not joking, bro. I, I was, I, and maybe, and hopefully, I'm not reading into something I read. But Rocky's training Creed's son. Ivan Drago is training his own son. They're gonna fight. Oh, <laughs> I, Creed was good. Was I it? thought the Creed movie was pretty good. I mean, it, it had it had its uh, Rocky esqueness. Yes, um, it was very good. But then you know, with part four, four was that one man. It it was like that America, freedom, all that stuff. So that's why I have a hard time between three and four because those are two of my favorite ones. Well, and then at that point in the world, you yeah, know, the very much the anti-Soviet. Look at thing the influence on the movie. On. Look at the influence of the movie. What yeah. the movie was about. It was about America versus Russia. You know. Yeah. The same time we were having the whole arms race with Russia. You know, so it was a massive influence on that genre of movie at that time. Um, and then, okay, we're skipping part five because I don't like it. Um, but he was rags again. He was back to rags because he lost all his money. Yep. And then, you know, this whole scene. I just, I don't know, man. That one kind of messed me up. I kind of, <laughs> I, I looked at it. I act like it doesn't happen. But then we go into the next one, Rocky Balboa, where he's an older man. Adrian's passed away. He's having this problems with his son. There's a really good comment he makes to his son. Um, he talks about, you know, how life is tough. It's not about uh, like sunshines and rainbows and all that. Mm-hmm. And he, like, like you watch, like I've seen that like a hundred times on on different like YouTube videos or people post it on uh, on on Facebook and stuff. And I'll watch it if I see it. I'll watch it. It's just something about it when he starts. He starts on that rant. I'm just like, I'm ready to go be a boxer, and I don't even know how to box, you know. But I mean, it's just. But Rocky Balboa was a massive influence, and the reason why he was influenced to me was that it was that rags to riches attitude. That I'm setting a goal, I'm going to achieve that goal. And that's what he did. And it wasn't, I'm just going to achieve that goal by a miracle. He worked unbelievably hard for that goal. He trained hard for that goal. He built a mindset for that goal. He decided that the goal was going to happen by him making it happen. No one's going to give it to him. No one's going to say, oh, we feel bad for you. Here's your trophy. You know, that crap. (laughs) <laughs> here's your trophy yeah uh but that's what i loved about it was rocky is about the fight in you and that influenced me i remember watching that first movie when i was younger and i remember each rocky that came out i was excited about those rockies that they came out you know and obviously you know i had a little bit of lapse in time but i'll still watch one or two of the rocky movies every year I, sometimes i'll watch all all of them all five that i consider that are five not number five but <laughs> One through four and Rocky Balboa. I watched them um, during the year, and I actually it was funny. Uh, we were trying to get our kids to uh, get into karate. I'm trying to get. I want them to get into some extracurricular stuff. Eva does dance. We we're talking about gymnastics, and I thought, well, what if we got them both into karate? And I'm telling Michelle about it, and then I start showing them videos of karate 
and you know when you're on YouTube, like you have the little videos on the side, like next video, and there was one. It was um, it was what was it? Van Dam? It was a Van Dam movie, Bloodsport, I think it was. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't know if I want to show my kids Bloodsport, but we, I actually did show them it. So um, I showed them the fighting. So I was like, well, this is karate, and my son, he's like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, no, no, dude, that's not the karate you're gonna do, man. You couldn't show him the karate kid, at least. I yeah, you know what? It's funny. I should have. By the way. I still haven't watched the. Uh, I think they got it on YouTube. The, uh, it's, it's Cobra just, Kai. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. on the root YouTube Red. Yeah, or YouTube something. Red. Yeah. I, I, I want to watch that because, like, I've always felt bad for Johnny. And then the funny thing <laughs> is, is, I did watch the start of the first one, and it's like him waking up from like some crazy. I don't know if he had a hangover or something. I don't know what's going well, on. Wasn't with Johnny it. every bully in every '80s movie? I'm pretty sure that actor played yes, all the bullies. Yes, but. I watched a spin on that. Have you ever seen that spin on how Johnny really wasn't a bully? He was just trying to take up for what he believed in and that Daniel was actually the, the, the bully. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen that. <laughs> you should see it, dude. It, but where I'm getting at with this is then, you know, you keep seeing these videos and it was a Rocky video. And I said, I told my kids, I said, you gotta watch this. Let's watch this Rocky thing. And they're, and they're seven and five years old, so they have no idea about Rocky. And I showed it to them, and they were mesmerized by Rocky. And I was like, this is awesome. you know. So it's one of those things I'll probably end up we'll, – we'll probably watch it together, me and my kids. We'll probably end up being you know, like Rocky buddies together. you know. Rocky uh, but, buddies. Yeah. But it's, it's, the cool thing is, is just what he does and how he goes about it. And if you think about it, though, isn't Sylvester Stallone that way in general with his movies? You know, you think about the Rambo movies, <laughs> the Expendable movies. The those Expendables little... were nostalgia. They were just there to make you go, man. Those are fun. Yeah. But what I wanted to get to was, I think, the Rocky Balboa persona, the idea. The fact that they've got, they've got a statue, man. Yes, I've been there. To a fictional character. I have been there. Uh, they moved it. But they do have his footprints at the top of the steps still. Do they? But they moved the statue down. Well, it was when I was in Philadelphia. It was at the base of the uh, yeah. of the library. Yeah. Yeah. But it. Yeah. It's I've pretty always, cool too. I've always wanted to go see it. I'm going to see that one. I, That's a goal. My wife touched it inappropriately, but we've been there. Oh I have Picture no. somewhere. Oh no. Yeah, she's. Well, she's probably gonna hear this and know that. She's so let's move on. Let's move on to your next one. So that was my number two. Your number. Well, I feel like since uh, you put a lot of pressure on me, you went with a fictional character, but I went with. Not a person. It's my first one, not a person. So I grew up in Morningside, Maryland, which is really weird to explain. So we're in Suitland, Maryland, right. but Morningside is a town within the town. Uh, so some people say, hey, I'm from Morningside. Some people say I'm from Suitland. And it's right outside the Air Force Base, uh, Andrews Air Force Base, the main gate, maybe 15 minutes from Washington, D.C., from the southeast side of Washington, D.C. And... I moved there. I was in the seventh grade, so nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> sorry, nineteen. Nineteen. Did I hear eighty-six? You may have heard of eighty-six. And uh, man, I didn't want. I, I never forget. I did not want to move. You know, I had my friends and uh, my parents bought a house. Right. And really, so when you talk about culture, right? We talk about your values. Your beliefs, your behaviors, your norms—that's what we teach here. We, yeah, actually, they, we I think they've it. twisted it now uh, with the new, the new program that we're doing. But yeah, but so 
But this Morningside gave a lot of that to me through its influence on me. And some of it, not great. Uh, some of it were negative influences that I had to realize, like, this isn't right. You know, I um, lots of vandalism and silly things that we did that I was like, this is not going to cut it with society. But what it did is I got in so much trouble in my late teens that I was like, yeah, I got to get out of here. I'm going to go to jail and uh, stay in it. So and you develop morals. So I, yeah, Yes, I absolutely. Through the influence of what I was doing and, and my friends – so I wasn't a leader. I was a follower. So if you, we got up, we were hanging out in the neighborhood, and, and you came to me, Brian, and you said, let's go bust some windows out of some cars. I'd be like, okay. <laughs> I just would go. I, I was not, but I had the reputation as the leader, which was really crazy because when we, we, we did get in a lot of trouble, and there were some charges and stuff filed, and when they did it, they said, well, Ed and Joe are the ringleaders, my best friend. To this day, still my best friend. Uh, they're the ringleaders, and we were like, we are? Wait, but we were the oldest in the group, so that's, that's why we were the ringleaders, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and the other thing about Morningside that, that was really great is you were raised by the neighborhood. So in my generation, you had a lot of kids going home to empty houses, a lot of latchkey kids, what they were called. Right. Um, and, and I had one, and I have so many mothers to this day. So I have my real mother, and then I have my mother, jo my mama Joyce, um, I had my mama Yarborough and then that's what I called them. Right. So mama Yarborough and, and she's since passed. Right. Um, man, she would give me, she would give me heck. I couldn't walk down her street. So I would skip school. And if she seen me out that window, she would come out that house, come here. Right. And, and she'd give me a lash and be like, school is important. You know, your education and things like that. So she, she very much raised me when I would be frustrated, you know, teenager, right. Girl trouble, things like that. Uh, or she heard rumor through her daughter, who was a friend of mine, that, oh, they got in trouble. I, I couldn't go around her. Well, I worked at the corner store in the neighborhood. Right. And it was hard to avoid her because she's just, I know he works on Friday nights. Right. So she knows where I'm at. So I, I would literally hide from this one. This one was not my mother, but I would hide in the freezer and look through the soda bottles until she left the store, and then I'd come out. Because... because... Because I knew I was going to get a tongue lashing, and this is, we're talking the uh, late 80s, early 90s. I might even get popped by this random woman who was not my birth mother, and my mother would encourage it. <laughs> so, because, <laughs> so my, my mom's working 40 hours a week. My dad's working 60 hours a week, right? Yeah. And, and that was kind of a theme in our neighborhood. You, you've seen it all the time. You see people, hey, where's your parents at? Oh, they ain't coming home for about till 8 o'clock tonight. So she, she did, she very much helped raise me. And when I was wrestling with what I was going to do, um, she was one of the ones that was like, hey, you got to go. And I ended up going to see a recruiter. But it was just so much things in that neighborhood. You know, your, your friends get, you know, uh, I grew up in a very violent time in that area. Uh, D.C. was not far away. And D.C. was the murder capital of the United States for years in a row in the early 90s, late 80s, and I grew up around that. I grew up during the crack crack epidemic in that area. And right. so all these things had such an impact on me that I need better. Uh, I need to get out of this neighborhood. So that's why I say Morningside was a really big influence on me, just the whole thing. And and many of my friends, um, I, I don't know if I told you, so the, the, the girls that hung out with us all 
were like sisters. And uh, they actually just got together because one of them's moving out of Maryland. And they just got together last week. And it was so crazy to see them all. I mean, you're talking 1990, and here we are, 2018, right? So you're talking 28 years later, and all the same group of girls were together, and they took yeah. a picture together, and it was like, to me, it touched my heart that you could see that. Yeah. And that's the influence that neighborhoods have because I still talk to a lot of those friends. Now, there's some of them I can't deal with. I got to yeah, let yeah, you yeah. go. Yeah, you can't play with them, huh? And then, so overall impact on other people, though. So one of the guys, you know, he, he made some money. He had a nightclub, and he did his thing. And we actually have neighborhood reunions, which I don't hear of too often happening anywhere. And he, he puts a bill, he gets meat, he gets a grill, he gets a DJ, he gets a photographer. And whoever can make it, makes it. Usually it's in June. And we all go back to the same neighborhood. To the park in our old neighborhood, because my mother actually still lives in Morningside. But we go to the park in Morningside, and all the, the moms, that all our parents come out, yeah. all of us come out, our kids. And some of us even have grandkids now, and we come out and we do this. Not you. Thing. Not you. I don't have grandkids Okay, because <laughs> I'm about to say. But some of them do, and so that's kind of the, the influence yeah. and the impact of that neighborhood yeah. on on me. Yeah. I just I couldn't live there. <laughs> I couldn't uh, go back. I love Maryland. Yeah. No, I couldn't do it. But so. that was... That was a period in time and a place and people. So you're taking time, place, and people yep. that created a person of, of, of what you're – well, it's not created a person, but they created your morals, your ethics, how you looked at things, when you make decisions, you know, well, is that the right decision? You know, it began yes. it, you know, yeah. versus – you know, and then it's developed over years. But it's the fact that that was the initiation. And and there's several instincts, too. So I'm very much, like, um, to this day, I, I haven't lived there since 1991. To this day, I am not sitting with my back to a door. I can't. I cannot go in a restaurant and, and sit like that. And that's before the Army. And that's prior to the military. So I've always been like that, yeah. you know. And in the first four years of the Army, I had a problem with my, my attitude because I was ready to fight. Because that's how I grew up, fight yeah. or flight, right? Yeah. So I was ready to fight. And uh, recently, my son, my son, when he was older, he tried, you know, like, I'm not afraid of my dad. Right. And my sister said, he didn't grow up in the neighborhood he grew up in because he can't fight. I just want you to be aware of this. <laughs> so, um, and that's been a few years. I, he, I think he turned 18. He just decided to discover himself and that he was going to stand up to me. It didn't last. Um, <laughs> But so a lot of instincts that I do have, though, I did get from Morningside. I'm I have a hard time trusting people. Um, yeah, I can see I can see how that is. You know. Yeah, I do. I have a hard time like it, everything to me. If it's too good to be true, it is, and it's not always like that. Some people are genuine. I'm that way too, though, man. It's like I don't know. There's certain things I I see something. I'm like, ah, this is a scam, or this no, this you know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's upbringing. I don't know. But also, I mean, I don't know if it's happening to you, but in the military, I've been burned before. Like, I've been burned by people around me. And I'm like, eh, I'm not trusting people that easy. It's going to take a minute for them to, I'm not saying to earn my trust, uh, but earn my trust that maybe they won't do something to burn me. You know, I had to, I had to pay for something one time. It was a thousand dollars. Came out oh. of my, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, um, it's just a wire. It went to this kit. Uh, long story short. The person uh, that was involved with it, I don't know. It just, I felt like he burned me. 
a really and, and and since then I've kind of broken contact with him. Do I feel bad sometimes that I did break contact? He's kind of messaged me once or twice on 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 Facebook or whatever, but I don't know, man. It's just it's not that I I'm not avoiding him or I don't dislike him. I just don't trust him. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, it just yeah. Yeah, no, I have family members like that, I think. But yeah. um <laughs> yeah, that's it. So yours was an upbringing um, in where your neighborhood is. I would definitely say mine was also, because I have two on my list here that are like time periods, areas, whatever. But my next one on the list was, and I haven't talked about anything military-wise yet of my list. <laughs> this one, it's uh, basic training, man. Basic training developed and influenced me in ways uh, I couldn't imagine. If I told if I told my younger self or I, I grabbed my younger self and said, Hey, you're gonna be in the army for twenty something years, I would be like, nah, no way. No or you're way. going to make the rank that I've made. No. Wouldn't happen. I should have been kicked out years ago or something. I don't know. But it's just the influence, but it started at that point in time. I remember my drill sergeant, who by the way, I ran into not only once but twice in my military career. At weird, awkward times. Small army. It's small world, bro. <laughs> no, no, no. Small world. Because he was out of the army the second time I ran into him. Really? Yeah, no joke. So, anyways, basic training was, it was a big thing to me. Like, I'm telling you, I, I really felt like that was what I needed in life at that moment. So, before that, um, I was supposed to go to college. I was, I was trying to get a degree as a civil engineer. Um, I was going to go to uh, Wentworth Institute of Technology out of Boston. And I was, everything was set up. Everything was ready. All I had to do was sign like the, the, the financial aid documents. And it spooked me a little bit. It basically, I was like, wait a second. You mean I'm going to be taking out loans for X amount of dollars? Now I look back and I think, well, that's nothing because, <laughs> you know, hey, we do, you do that in life, period, for anything. But what I, I got scared and I decided not to go to college and I was literally just standing, sitting, no, not standing, sitting on a doorstep uh, outside my mom's apartment she lived at in Maine. Um, and I was just sitting there and a recruiter pulled up and he knew who I was uh, and it was kind of weird, but we started talking. He said, hey, why don't you come down and see me? And so basically, long story short, I joined the army not long after I decided not to go to college. I was 19 years old and... So I went to basic training for Jackson, South Carolina. Um, people often call that what? Relaxing Jackson? Relaxing Jackson. Yeah. But it was the – I had Drill Sergeant Riley was one of them. The other one was Drill Sergeant Muhurder. And I always remember his name because I was like Mule Herder. But it was weird how he said it. was like Mule Herder. But he – I never – I have not – I've never ran into Riley. Never ran into him once. But Mule Herder I ran into twice. I ran into him when I went back to become a recruiter. Had to go to recruiter school. I just happened to run into him, and he was like, oh, yeah, I'm a first sergeant here now, blah, blah. I'm like, wait a second. This was like years ago, and you were here as a drill sergeant. And he said, yeah, 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 and all that. And then the second time, we're, we just finished our rotation in Afghanistan. I was at Bagram. I was at an MWR uh, area where, you know, they have movies and all that stuff, and they have a popcorn machine there for soldiers. Just come and relax for a moment. You know, kind of just relax. It's not everywhere that you get to do that. But I'm back there by the popcorn machine just standing up waiting. And I look over and I see this guy eating popcorn. I look at him real quick and I'm like, no. This no. This isn't him. That can't be. <laughs> sure enough, it was Drill Sergeant Mueller. 
Uh, and I said, I was like, no way, you're out of the army now? Because he was in civilian clothes. He's like, yeah, I'm a contractor over here. And I'm like, are you kidding me? You chose to come here. And he just loved it that much, I guess. I don't know. I don't know the reason why he did it. I didn't ask him. It was a quick whatever. But he remembered me. I remember him. But I remember was his basic training when I got there. Because I used to love playing football in high school. And I loved basketball. And I really didn't do baseball because I sucked at it. I was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved the leadershipness of it. I liked being trying to be a leader. I mean, I don't think I was a leader then. But I felt like I was trying to be. And then we got to basic training. And then you get to be the, you know, the platoon sergeant, you know, the PSG as they call it. And I got to be, I was the platoon sergeant for almost a whole cycle. Um, that influenced me to want to continue to be a leader in the army. It made me want to like develop as a leader. I was never good at boards. I've never been good at boards. I was never good at memorizing stuff, but I was sure love to research stuff and figure stuff out and know the answers to certain stuff. But it was basic training that developed me. And it influenced me to be a better person. I don't know. I mean, it'd be, I mean, I had morals before that, but I just it's something about it. And I, you know, they have the seven army values and stuff, and I always oh, okay, yeah. You know, I mean, we're taught that you're supposed to love them all the same, but the there was the one that always I grasped was integrity. I love there's something about integrity that just you have if you have integrity, you have everything else. That's what I always thought. But basic training taught me those seven values and. Just how you interacted and how you're giving into tasks, you're giving a task, and you complete that task. If, you aren't, if you're not able to complete that task, you failed. In our line of work, failure is not an acceptable excuse because failure equals to death, in a sense. If you think about it, overall, yeah, yeah. you fail, people die. And I, and I just can't handle that. You know what I mean? So at the same time, you know, but we can't be over serious about every little thing. And I had to learn that too along the army. But I just wanted to, I want, that was my situation. You had one about upbringing. Mine, I, I would definitely say once I joined the army, basic training was that eye opening, influencing moment of, I don't remember how, because they've changed it since then. I don't know how many weeks they do it now, but. Yeah, I've been <clears> twice. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Dang, I can't believe, man. And the fact that you did the second time at an older age, that's, yes. wow. Yeah, I did it at 19, I did it at 30, and um, I mean, I, it could be an influence for me, too. Yeah. I learned a lot, and I was made the platoon guide, so I was the, in charge, mm-hmm. because when I came back in, I already had a combat patch from my, me being prior service. Yeah. And I could not get fired, but that drill sergeant was really having an influence on my leadership, because he was teaching me early to be frustrated by it. And to try to embrace it. Now, I did chase a guy one time with the uh, the wood handle off a plunger because he threw water in my face because I fell asleep sitting on my bunk. And uh, I got angry, and I just nonchalantly <laughs> walked into the bathroom. I yanked the plunger off and threw it to the side. I opened the door. He seen me. He took off, and I took off. And I yeah. chased him. I was going to go upside his head, I thought. Uh, I didn't catch him. He was a little more swift than I was. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, no, basic training has an influence on all of us, too. It's just how you embrace it, too. I think so because you know some people you have that I mean you have uh, that that eighty twenty rule eighty or twenty percent of the people do eighty percent of the work yeah you see that in basic and then I remember that type of thing but it's just it was something about it man like I fell in love with it I, I was like this is the life for me and ever since then I really have never regretted not going to college I really haven't regretted it but then you've done it but exactly like so I've gotten to go to school I got. I was able to 
get my bachelor's, get my master's, be able to do those things because the army helped me with it. So it's, it's just been a building block for me. And I'm not sitting here trying to publicize the army and trying to make it out like it's this wonderful thing. That it's for, it's not for everyone. No, you know, they no. tell you from day one, you know, it's not for everyone. Uh, when I was a recruiter, I used to tell recruits, Hey, it's not for everyone, but at least try it out. See what you think. Do your time. Get out. If you don't, at least you'll have some type of experience, you know? Uh, but I just, I don't know. It's to me, it's, it's been a great learning tool in life and well, it's became my profession. I mean, yeah. obviously we're going, you and I know we're both going to have to transition probably within the next five to seven years me probably shorter because if my wife if i stay another past three more years she's probably gonna she's gonna make sure that i wish i didn't type thing but no nah, she, she wouldn't do that and you you maybe you'll stay a little longer who knows but we'll see we'll see uh we'll but, see what the future holds <laughs> but we have something that's gonna be beyond this i mean yeah. this you know this this podcast thing is kind of helping us create that you know maybe we'll find something we want to do even more i mean I, you know, people ask me, they're like, well, what are you going to do when you get out? And I, sometimes I'll be like, well, I don't know. I guess get a real job. And it's funny what they'll say to me back. Well, you do have a real job. That's, like, really important. That's more important than mine. And I, you, know, you try to play that. You try to play out, be humble and stuff. But then you start thinking, about it, like, you know what? It is a, it's, it's a real job. Like, you, we don't get paid by the hour. We, if we have to work late, there's no overtime. You know, those types of things that people don't realize. And, you know, Toby Keith sang that crazy song, right, uh, about the American soldier one. It, oh, yeah. It's funny, like, because I think about, like, what he sings and stuff, and I'm like, if only people knew how true those words are at times. That's true. Yeah. Like, it's crazy. But And I, I, I've obviously spiderwebbed off again. Look at me. Uh, no, no. But basic training was a, a huge influencer in my life. Uh Let's go into yours. What's your next? Well, one? you know, you talk about the influence and, and the love of your career, and uh, you really transition into uh, my next one for me. So I'm going to be the cheesy guy, and I'm going to go with my wife Tammy. Oh, uh, the Canadian. The Canadian, eh? Yeah. Uh, hey. <laughs> oh, she's going to kill me when she hears this. Oh, uh, <laughs> so and she's going to. I know my wife, so her mom used to tell her her bladder is too close to her eyes. Because my wife cries at a Kleenex commercial. That's what she'll tell you. Her mom (laughs) told her that. Yeah. Uh, So I've tried to get out the Army numerous times since I've been married to Tammy. Uh, We got married. We were at Fort Hood. Right. I went through a divorce. And literally, I got divorced in June, and we got married in July. Wow. So it was really a quick rollover. But what happened is we lived in Canada together. I was going through a divorce, and I said, hey. I'm going back in the army, and she's like, "Okay." I was a single parent. Uh, mm-hmm. My son, my my daughter was with her mother, but my son, I had sole custody. So I said, "I got to take care of this kid." I'm going back in the army. It's I never really wanted to get out. I got out for my ex wife, and I said, um, "You can come with me if you like." And I had already accidentally said the "I love you" words. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah we are. She's all blushing, and she was like, "What did you say?" Nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I invited her. I said, hey, you can come with me, and then we'll see where this thing goes. And um, She picked up all her stuff, man. She picked up all her stuff, and she's like, okay. And she left her mom and her, her Aunt Annie and her sister Tara and her sister Rhonda and her dad. She just left them all in Canada and said, all right, let's go. And her mother told me that she was going to do really nasty, disgusting, terrible things to me if I hurt Tammy. Right. Uh, so I knew not to do that. You're right. Uh, we went to Hood. 
And we talked a little bit before about the guy that was a screamer, and I struggled with his leadership. And I was like, I'm done with this nonsense. I'm done with this nonsense. And you were talking about getting out. I was going to get out. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm over 30 at this point, and Tammy's, you ain't getting out. And here's why. And she kind of laid things out, and she made things make sense to me. And I was struggling with some other stuff, too. Uh, so I didn't get out. And then years go by, and we went to we went to Fort Drum, New York, and Drum wasn't bad. I had some great, I had some great platoon sergeants. I had, uh, you know, Sergeant Major Wright that we talked about earlier. I had Sergeant Ramirez, Sergeant Leone, excellent platoon sergeants, and uh, we, yeah. So I was getting out again because I was so far along in my career, and I hadn't got promoted. I was still just a sergeant E five, and. Uh, I was determined I was getting out. And then this other guy who did retire, Sergeant First Class Arrigo, says to me, the retirement check don't have a rank on it. Because I was worried about being this 20-year Sergeant E5. I, I was thought it was going to be a terrible thing. He says, the check comes every month on time. There's no name on or no rank on the check. And I was like, huh. So Tammy used that. And, uh, she's like, you're not getting out. You don't need to get out. Mm-hmm. And she laid out again. And I stayed in. <laughs> and... So then I get here, and I lose my promotable status. I'm still struggling to make staff sergeant. I haven't made it yet. And I lose my promotable status through no error of my own. I turned in my paperwork, and I just right. didn't follow up on it. And I was, you know, a tirade of profanity. I'm this, I'm that, I'm so with this. I'm, this person can do this, and I was angry. And I told us, I'm going to go to my first son's office tomorrow, and I'm going to flip his desk and tell him, I'm sick of this nonsense, I'm out of here. <laughs> and uh, the voice of reason sorry, that she is, she uh, and, and my wife is. If, if you ever see us, uh, and you have, uh, she's so much smaller than me, and she's so yeah. tiny compared to me, and she has zero fear. Like there's no fear, no matter how angry I am, she has zero fear. And so she speaks her mind, uh, which is a strength and a weakness for her. And <laughs> she just told me you're an idiot if you get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I stay in, right, and. Uh, I go back to the board. Luckily, the Sergeant Major I had at the time says, hey, just come in and do X, Y, and Z, and we'll dismiss you, and you'll be promotable again. We'll fix it. It was our error. Don't worry about it. So I do. And we go to the Joint Readiness Training Center in Louisiana, and Tammy calls me. And she says, hey, you made the list. And I was like, what are you talking about? She says, you are on the list. And I'm like, I don't know yeah. what list you're talking about. She says, the by name list for promotion, you're on it. Get out of here. Yeah. So I go on the computer because of my job, I have access to the internet. And sure enough, I got promoted. And she was there by my side. And I, honestly, I would have never made it there without her. That's cool. Uh, so then we say, okay, fast forward, and then we're here. And I'm eligible for promotion here. And I, I validate my records, and I get promoted again. And I went home, and I said, uh, I, don't, I don't know what I want to do because we were already in the transition part of retirement. And Tammy says to me, you're not ready. And uh, Well, actually, I told her, I need you to tell me what I don't want to hear. So be honest, brutally honest. She says, okay, you're ready, but you're not ready. And uh, so I said, okay, so are we taking a promotion? She says, you do what you want to do, but you are not ready to leave this yet. You enjoy leading soldiers. Yeah. So I took it, uh, the promotion, and here I am today. And so these are just a few uh, times she's just been the voice of reason. And, and whether I have a problem with one of my kids, um, 
who she raised, helped raise my son. Yes. All right. Not her son. She's absolutely been there for oh, him. Oh, she'll tell you she's her. That, yes, yeah, absolutely. That's her son. She says it, she said it to me just the other day. We were sitting in there on <laughs> you instead of duty, and she's like, "Yeah, my son." She kept saying my son, and I'm like, "Man, that, that's her son." Like that's she takes yeah. ownership of him, good, bad, yeah. ugly, or indifferent. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he looks like me. He's not ugly. Um, <laughs> so she does, okay. and, and that's kind of the impact she's had on me. And then, of course, you know, they don't hear it enough, but. You're not where you are without your wife. Oh, yeah, Michelle. And I am not yeah. here without my wife. Yeah, I said it during that promotion ceremony. Like, yeah. she's my, she's pretty much my every, you know what I mean? Like, she's made me a better person. So that's the influence she's had. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So by taking care of your two children, by Tammy taking care of yes. my son, because my daughter lives with her mother, by taking care of our households, they allow us to have an influence and an impact on those young soldiers mm-hmm. to do what we do. It's because of them. I can't deploy if Tammy's not who Tammy is. Yeah. I can't concentrate when we're deployed if she's not who yeah. she is. And I see a lot of soldiers that have problems like you know dealing with that, and, and they don't have that spouse that's like that. So that's she's just had a huge influence on me. Uh, she makes me want to be better every day. Yeah, that's so. and that's that's amazing. By the way, I did want to say you mentioned something earlier about us being able to do what we want. There are times, and I've heard you say it before on your uh, Facebook Live. I can't believe we get paid to do this stuff. Sometimes it's just so awesome, you know. But the that's fact true. that she, you know, she influenced you like that, I I would definitely say that my wife has the same type of influence on me. So it's kind of it's crazy that you would, you know, you you, I wouldn't say it's crazy. I'm just, she's definitely, yeah, right up there and. I've always enjoyed talking with Tammy. Tammy, if you're listening, I didn't say anything bad about and, you or him. <laughs> no, I'm just she has zero filter now. Hey, yeah. we, got, we got more filter on this microphone than she does. Yeah, she's yeah. thinking it. She's saying it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is she in a spin class right now? Uh, she's out of spin class already, uh, but she did go to a spin class tonight. Yeah. She's a uh, beast now, huh? Yeah, she, she enjoys uh, being... Uh, Super duper sweaty, and hopefully uh, before I get home, she's showered and, and relaxed. So, yeah, no, yeah, I feel like I, she's probably sweaty sitting in my recliner. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you went with your wife, um, and my wife is very important to me. We've talked about that, but I'm and I, she's definitely going to come to more conversations than than now. But I wanted to hit um, the next one. I have it's not the next one I have on the list, but it's on this list. I'm going to bump him up just to talk about it because the, the other one I really wanted to kind of – I want to hit upon and be the, like the last thought uh, that we talk about for me, my side, and obviously you're going to have one on your side. But this is a person – I met him uh, when I was in Afghanistan also. Um, it's kind of crazy. He's been on Dancing with the Stars. Um, he is a combat veteran. He was actually a 101st soldier at one point in time. Uh, he goes by the name of Noah Galloway. Uh, I know who he is. He has a book called Living With No Excuses. I'll make sure I put that in the show notes for those of you listening. I have his book. Uh, my wife, actually, so my wife's good friend, probably one of her best friends, I would say is her best friend, uh, She, my wife couldn't come up to get the book for me. So she got her friend, Michelle. So my wife's name is Michelle, and her, friend name is, her friend's name is Michelle. So she got Michelle to go over and get the book for her. And it's, it's signed and everything. But I have this picture I want to show you. And you're going to laugh because when you see my picture, you're going to be like, oh, I can't believe you had it then too. Oh, no. Yeah, there you go. Check out that picture. 
It's the famous mustache picture. Yeah, it's one of many. But that that is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so to kind of you know go off of what this picture is, and and those of you, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll post a picture. I don't know. We'll see what happens uh, down the road. Uh, but Noah, he's wearing a uniform. He's not in the service anymore in this picture. Uh, it was this thing where people they got injured in combat or whatever. They actually brought a group of them. We were at this this dinner with them. Uh, I was I was a young staff sergeant at the time, and uh, they asked, they asked, like, who wants to go eat dinner with these these war heroes, or you know, these uh, in, they're, they're wounded warriors who have come back and they're trying to clo- they're basically closing out their deployment they originally had. Um, his was actually, I want to say, it was in Iraq was when his injury was, but he w- he was there with us in Afghanistan. He came to Afghanistan, and no one volunteered. I was like, you know what, I'd like to go. I want to go meet these guys because normally they open those things up to the uh, the uh, private through specialists, yes. you know, and. No one wanted to go, but I was like, well, I want to go. And they said, well, okay, well, you can go. So I went over there, and we had we sat in this room where we're waiting for these these uh, these heroes to come in. You know, and, and I call them heroes for a reason because I do believe, you know, I believe what we do is a hero in a sense. But these guys and gal, it was like, yeah, I think there was, I know there was guys. I think it was mainly guys. I don't, I don't remember a girl, uh, female sitting in our area, but um, they were all injured in battle legs missing arms you know stuff like that um but noah he sat beside me and we're just kind of we're eating and well he he's missing he's missing his left arm he doesn't have a left arm all right um and i want to say it's his left leg also is gone i think so it is. he has he has the right side and he's missing the left side but we're just sitting there and he's eating and I felt bad because I was trying to. I wanted to talk to him because I wanted to hear his story, but he's trying to eat at the same time, and, and I was like, <laughs> like, okay, so how do you mix this in? How do you mix and talk while you're eating? Because he's probably hungry. You know, he's been doing this thing all day, and I like I didn't want to bother him, so I waited till he's almost done, and I was asking questions while I was eating, and I felt kind of like a jerk about that, but you should have. Uh, oh, exactly. <laughs> but then he explained. He kind of told us about his story, and I was just like, I was in awe of it, you know. And he was an old hundred first soldier, um, so it made it a little bit, it made it a little bit more uh, memorable to me too, because I'm I'm a one hundred one guy, you know. I came here my first when I first joined, and I'm back here, and I'm so one hundred one has been like it's in my blood. I spent most of my career here, but he tells us the whole story of how he got blown up and his LT. Uh, it also happened to him and, and, and the whole scenario and stuff. And it just had a massive effect on me. And then down the road, I, I made friends with him on Facebook. And so I would kind of watch him on Facebook. He's known as like the Tough Mudder guy. Like he does Tough Mudders. Um, and if you know anything about a Tough Mudder, they are, they're a beast of, a, of an obstacle course. You know, 10, 12 miles, crazy obstacles. But he does it. He has a uh, he has a prosthetic leg. He doesn't wear the arm. He, I think he goes without an arm, uh, his prosthetic arm during it. But he does these tough mutters, and it's the fact that he doesn't have all of his limbs. He still has that heart inside. He still has that desire and that drive to do this thing. And it's I don't know. You you can watch videos of him, and he's on Facebook. Uh, and then his book came out, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. He's got a book. And then he was on Dances with Stars. And I'm like, I mean, is there anything this dude can't do? You know, he reminds me of Rocky. You know, he's that, <laughs> I'm setting my mind to do this. I'm going to do it. And I love his drive. Um, he Can he be arrogant? 
I he probably could, and I caught some of it in his story when he's talking to me. But he's a generally good person. He is a good person, and he works hard for what he has. It's, no one gave him this. You know what I mean? He it wasn't like him getting injured was a gift. You know, he worked hard before that because he showed pictures. He had on his phone, and you can see pictures on his face if you become friends with him on Facebook. You can see pictures of him before the injury. He was a beast of a man then too. Um, but I just, you know, Noah Galloway to me is an influencer on what people can do, even though things are taken from them, you know? So I would definitely say Noah is on my list of influencers. I'm going to make sure that I add a link to about, you know, up for what his book is and stuff like that. Cause I think people should really should support it and, and read his story. Cause this is, it's a good story. It really is. Um, but it, it's again, it's living with no excuses, um, and I love that idea of why do you have an excuse? So I used to have an, a guy. He used to say, and it was funny you said that 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 supply in Seattle earlier. Uh, he'd have, an, he'd say no or I can't. Yeah. Used to have this guy I used to work with uh, in the service. He used to say, why do we always have an excuse of why we can't do something? Why aren't we giving excuses of why we can? To me, that's important. Uh, but Noah is definitely on my list, so we'll definitely move on. Uh, from mine to yeah. yours. So Noah, I want to say, he, I can't remember the name of the show, but there was a show hosted by John Cena that I'm pretty sure he was one of the coaches on, I believe. Really? Yeah, I believe he was one of them. They had like different uh, different guys from different parts of the service, or girls too. Uh, man, some Marines and stuff. Um, so that drive that, that Noah had, you, it's really interesting. And, and I, I'm telling you, if you're listening, we did not go over these notes. No, not so beforehand. I'm going to talk to you about, um, man, my cousin. And this is widely known in my family that nobody is top of my list over my cousin. Um, all my cousins know we can't be your favorite as long as you have him. So, so yeah. his name is Matthew, and Matthew uh, – was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy okay. uh, as an infant. Wow. So he is, he, he never, uh, I, I want to say I've heard stories that maybe he started to take steps before it really affected him. Mm-hmm. Um, but growing up my whole life, my whole time I can, I can recall, he's always been in a wheelchair and very frail. And um, so he was only given a life expectancy of 13 years old. You've told me about him, and yeah. he is at what age now? Uh, he would be 44 this year, I believe. That's awesome. And he was supposed to live to 13. But Matthew, man, he's 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 done everything. Um, and when we were growing up together, the handicap never stopped him. Uh, we developed games. So him and I would play one-on-one basketball. Right. Uh, we played where I've been in one of his other wheelchairs playing, and we used trash cans. But we played at the real basketball court where we came up with rules. And, and he had a little more control over his upper body mus- muscles at the time. Not a lot, but he would roll the basketball. And if it hit the pole, that was a goal where I had to shoot. And if he could get <laughs> in front of me, I couldn't go around him. I had to step back and take my shots. So we developed rules. Uh, we played uh, baseball, but we played with the uh, remember the old yellow plastic bats. Oh yeah, yeah, wiffle ball bats. We would play with those, yeah. and I would hit, and he would ride around the bases. 
and our other cousins would play. So we would develop rules to kind of accommodate so he could be a part of things. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you what, I, I didn't pull no punches either. Like we would argue and obviously no physical confrontations, but we would fight just like two cousins. We would yell and scream at each other, get mad, go in the other room. He'd be watching TV in one room, and I'd be sitting in another room, and we wouldn't speak to each other for about an hour, and then we'd be back playing and hanging out. Um, he has two degrees from the University of Maryland. What? Two, two masters in visual arts and computer science. He has designed things where he to make him able to use computers. I don't know if he's ever had anything patented, but he's made these things. Um, so... I read something one time that success is an attitude, and I think that uh, Noah and mm-hmm. my cousin Matthew, they really embodied that, and his influence, like, so if I'm taking a physical fitness test, how can I quit? Because my cousin never quit, so how can yeah. I let that hold me down? No. Um, my incident that we, I'm sure, will come up, so I, I broke my leg, but how could I just give up on doing anything? So yeah. I was determined. Not only am I going to come back from this, but I'm not going to show it. So yeah, what people were doing on two legs, teaching and things like I'm still doing it. Yeah, roll around that scooter. So right, I had a scooter. Yeah, but what people don't know is the backstory that that was Matthew. Yeah, that was absolutely my cousin Matthew. That is like, okay, this never stopped him. So why am I going to let a temporary thing mm-hmm. while he's lived with this for 44 years? Uh, we are very very close. I actually, I'm hoping to go see him this summer. Um, he's been through, I mean, back surgeries and he's had double pneumonia. I mean, this is in recent years and he's fought through, he's married, he got married, he met a girl and he ended up getting married. Um, they did do some uh, stuff medically to try to have children that didn't work out. Right. Um, and, and I know we said we're going to do five, but his mother, my aunt Alice, so her husband's passed, you know. And she's taking care of Matthew really his whole life. Like Matthew, as a teenager, couldn't get out of – he can't get himself out of bed. So my aunt would take him out of bed. My aunt would bathe him. Yeah. In the middle of the night when he has to go to the bathroom, I remember being a little kid laying in the, in the room where I slept, and you'd hear him, Mom, Mom, and he had to pee. So she'd have to – so she was go, 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 and never – never show any signs of wearing out and she just and she's been like that his whole life so for as much as he had an influence her and that taking care of him through mm-hmm. it all and how hard she worked but matthew man um yeah yeah just a huge huge influence and all like i said all my cousins will tell you if you, you say hey who's ed's favorite oh that's matthew <laughs> like he'll tell yeah. you yeah he's gonna do this so if, if we have a barbecue, you know, family reunions and stuff, he'll get my plate because yeah. I'm his favorite. Like they all know, he knows. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and he's like that. So yes, uh, absolutely, just an amazing, amazing person, uh, and to overcome. I mean, think about it. Uh, life expectancy, 13 years old, you're you're not going to live past 13, and 44. So here you are, 31 years later, mm-hmm. double degrees, married, great big old house. Yeah. Working online, uh, the internet's probably the best thing happening to him because he can work, he can do things. Um, love technology, absolutely in love with technology. Yeah. So that's awesome. Uh, and he was good for me, you know. I got to go see the Globe Trials, like we used to get tickets because he had muscular dystrophy. <laughs> 
And he was in the in the program. I met Jerry Lewis. I've been to the telethon. I've, oh I've yeah, worked at the telethon with him. Man, that was that was a sad thing when he passed because he really did a lot for Musket. Dress and years and Man. years and years. Yeah, I he always loved Jerry Lewis. Yeah. I he's just something about him. It was just I don't know. I loved it, but the fact that he did that, and. You know the special, we call them special needs, but I I don't know, man. It's like I don't know what's the politically correct thing to say, you know? Yeah. At times, because you said handicap. Well, the handicap, handicapable, all this. I don't know it, but I will tell you this, listeners out there, if you're not, if you haven't got involved in some type of activity where it's muscular dystrophy, autism, um, Down syndrome, uh, just any type. Just go do something with one of these individuals, anybody who's who's been diagnosed with one thing. And I'm telling you what, speaking from personal experiences, just like you, it changes who you are. It is a massive influence. You know, yes. uh, the walkathons, all that stuff, and getting out there and doing these things, or taking part in. You know, we uh, here in here in uh, town, they have this thing called buddy ball. So. I've heard of that. There's kids that so they can't play regular uh, baseball, football, whatever, but they do what's called buddy ball, and so the parent comes out there and they play with them, and and it's uh, it it's just cool how they do these things. Or you know they have the uh, <clears throat> they have the autism walk every April or so down in Nashville. Love that. I mean, there's so much stuff that can be. And this goes back to that what I, uh, earlier we talked about. Do one good thing. Uh, if you can do one good thing a week. One good thing uh, a day, one good thing a month, a year, whatever, whatever it is, make that that one good thing, you know. Get involved in somebody's life like that, and mm. you know it. It's it's great to hear about your cousin. The fact that he is he's his life expectancy, he went way beyond it. Thirty years, uh, thirty one years, it's crazy. Yeah, and I'm telling you, if I go to his house and I use I say something he doesn't like, he absolutely will tell me like, like yeah. he's six foot five. 300 pounds of muscle. He will absolutely tell me, but his dad was like that. So that's the influence his dad had on him. Yeah. And yeah, no, I, Matthew is. That's awesome. That's yeah. a good influence, man. Yeah. He's a big one. Cause you think about, I mean, you think about, you said your injury, um, and the fact that it set you back a moment, but you think to him, well, what set him back? Yeah. Why is he still going? Why am I not going? Yeah. What, what, what am I giving up on that he wouldn't i'm not giving up you know what i mean that that mentality he got a degree he got two degrees i need two you know what I'm saying? and it's not in, in no way should be should we be comparing ourselves but instead we're influence and it's an instinctive influence like we're talking about that we're doing we're, we're influenced by these these individuals you know? and he would never have he has no clue that i feel that way he would never well he's about to find out yeah, if he gets to listen, right? Yeah, but yeah. that's you know what I'm saying. That that's what that's about, though, man. That's re- I mean, that's amazing. I, who I don't even, I don't even want to bring up my last one. I don't <laughs> even think my to. last one can hit. No, that, you're man. good. Was that your last one? <laughs> that was it. That was number five. Okay. That's it. All right. Wow, that's that's a good one, man. Um, so my last one, once again, it's more about a time, place, and multiple people. It's nothing to do with the military again. It's beyond. It's before the military. Um, I named it, and this is what I have written on the card: my family growing up. You talked about growing up in the neighborhood. You talked about all that stuff. My family growing up was. It's. It, <clears throat> I look at it as this way: I watched a lot of struggle, stri- uh, just striving to to make it to live. I 
violence, drug use, alcohol use. I mean, just really some really bad stuff, how people were treated and stuff. And, you know, it's funny. It talks about, you know, abuse, you know, abuse in family and stuff. So people that are abused are more likely to abuse their own children, blah, blah, blah. And, mm-hmm. and it's crazy. Like, um, I don't I don't see how that's true sometimes, but I guess that's just my brain and how it works. I, But the way the, the struggles I saw my mom go through throughout the years, like she tried and I still like at times I've had like, why you know why did we in this situation but i think i really believe now it was that's what she knew that's what she thought she you know she could do to try to make things better or you know dealing like or my brother my and i got i got actually i had three sisters one of my sisters she died of a heroin overdose sometime a few years back yeah i know it's i didn't get to know her until a couple years ago actually her and my real dad who he passed away a few years um a few months ago actually um but the upbringing I that I saw, knowing that I can count in my head, like thirty different, not thirty. Well, yeah, it is about thirty different homes that I lived in by the time I was thirty years old. Now, the military, some of them, right? Because yeah, you know, we move around, but, but they give you a nice barracks. But even before, <laughs> oh yeah, but before before the military, I lived in a lot of places. So we moved around a lot. There was a lot of just struggle, not having things, brother. I can tell you a time. We lived in a place called, it was in Old Town, Maine. It was a place called French Island. My Nana loved, and she is one of my instinctive influences. I will <laughs> talk about her down the road. But she lived on one side of the island. It's called French Island. She lived on one side, and we lived on the other side. And we had these kids we used to play to down the street. And we didn't have a lot. We didn't have stuff. We, our, My mom and, and, and her uh, boyfriend at the time, it's not like they had a lot of money to buy things for us. And... I think about it to this day, and I feel bad. And so I don't even know the kid's name. So I'm apologizing now, but I, I remember stealing some of their G.I. Joes because I didn't have it, right? And I think about that upbringing, about I don't want my kids to ever want to do the stupid things that I did. They're going to earn it, but I don't want them to do the stupid thing like taking somebody else's toys um, or taking something from someone else or uh, stealing somebody's bicycle. I mean, stupid, just dumb things, man. I did stupid stuff, and but I watched that struggle, and I told myself, I was like, no way, I'm going. Uh, that's been, if I would say, there's anything that has motivated me in life and it influenced me in life is I don't want to be at that. All right, I'm not saying my mom was a my mom was not. She's not a bad person at all. It was just struggle. Struggle in life. She had four kids. She was a single parent. She had boyfriends here and there, and then she got married, and then life got really crummy. Then that time, um, and I'm not. We're not going to talk about that, but it was it was definitely bad. It was a hard time in life. But I watched her struggle and struggle and struggle and struggle, and I said, "No, that's not happening." You know, um, but and I feel like every time, like like college, like you talk about college. We go to college, we do all the, and, and I finish the degrees. And every time I would get involved, it's like, I'm not stopping because there is an outcome I'm trying to reach. You know, uh, I don't want that life that I had. I don't want to, I don't want to ever, I don't ever want to, and, and I didn't want to be on food stamps ever. I didn't want, you know, any of that stuff. And I, I, dude, I remember a time, Shop and Save up in Maine. 
uh, Shop and Save is kind of like the uh, the big grocery store up there. You know, yeah. down here in the south, we have Kroger's and Food Line, all Piggly that stuff. Wiggly. Piggly the Wiggly. Pig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we had Shop and Save. And in Old Town, Maine, there was a Shop and Save. And I remember this – I remember this like it was yesterday. That's how vivid it is. And I was embarrassed by food stamps at a young age because I was like, oh, we could – we can't afford stuff. We got to get money from other people. And I never wanted that, you know, but I understand she had four kids, you know, yeah. it's hard to raise four kids as a single parent. I mean, that's tough. That's hard as two parents, much less. Single. I mean, could there have been things that done, you know, yeah. I mean, but here nor there, you know, I love my brothers and sisters. I'm glad I have brothers and sisters. I mean, I, I, I could have grown up without that and not known what's like to have brothers and sisters. So, I, I would never wish not having that. I think they they have helped that influence, right? But back to the story of, so she's paying for stuff for the with the food stamps. And they used to be like this little coupon thing. Did you ever? Yeah, did coupon ever, book. Yeah, like coupon book. Yeah. And, and they, they, they looked like they were fake money. It was like Canadian money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she's getting ready to pay for them. Uh, I go and stand by the exit door. Because uh-huh. I didn't want to stand near her because I was embarrassed. Now, I don't think I've ever told her that. She's probably going to listen to this podcast and she's going to know, oh, that's why Brian used to stand by the door. I wouldn't stand by her because I was embarrassed of the fake money because I knew what it was. And I told myself, never will I get, I've had to be on food stamps. I will not, once I'm an adult, I will not. And that's been an inspiration my uh, entire life. Instinctively, it is in me that I will work hard and do whatever I had struggle i will str- i mean there was a point in time man and this is where i'll go back to there was a point in time when i came back from iraq that first deployment life threw me a hand grenade um and i got blown up in it in a sense and i'm not not i didn't get blown up in a hand grenade i'm saying yeah. life you know the life hand you know life threw me that and i there was even a point in time and my wife now didn't know i was i was dating her at the time she didn't know i was doing this i used to go to a plasma place i was donating plasma just so i'd have money to drive an hour away to go see her and drive back. Wow. I would like constantly, I would go get plasma donut, you know, I would donate plasma twice a week because you could and you get so much money. And and it was because I was struggling money-wise at the time um, because of the situation that I had been in and, and just some things that had happened. And, like, you know, and I don't want to talk about that because I'm not going to sit here and say some bad things about other people that was in my life at the time. But, um I had to do these things, uh, I, like my tools. I had a bunch of tools. I sold all my tools to a buddy so I could have some money. You know, the funny thing is, is uh, in addition to that, the people that were there for me were my Army buddies. When I was struggling, my Army buddies Army were there. Army family. Yeah, man, yeah. it's crazy. But what I'm getting at is, is I go all the way back. Let me just, if I back up, it's the life that I was living as a kid, I said I would never do. You know, I didn't want anything to do with that. And is it bad? I don't know, man. I, you know, I learned from it and I don't ever want to go to that. But I'm, at times, like, I'm, I'm resentful in a sense. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm grateful that I know what it's like to be poor, like stupid poor. Dirt, yeah. you know, just like from the dirt. And understand that I'm going to drive to get to that point. You know, and there's people, there's probably people listening right now to us that are the same way and they have that same drive, you know, because of that, you know, we, we meet them all the time in the army. Oh yeah, you definitely do. Yeah. Especially when you hear bios and stuff from the, you know, soldiers, 
Oh, you man. hear it. You can tell where they, by where they come from sometimes. Yeah. That, or you can tell by their actions. Um, how they react. Yep. How they hold how they on react. to their money or something. Or yep. how they spend money like is ne- they're never going to get any more. Yeah. I've had that issue myself. Like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to spend it all. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it was that. It was, it was my family and learning from that. Every, you know, all the interaction throughout, you know, I, um, the people within my family, my brothers, my sisters, my grandparents, my aunts, uncles. I mean, we, and we're talking a huge extended family. I, I mean, I come from the state of Maine. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> sounds like Maryland, but it's Maine. Just a little bit different. It's in New England area. But uh, <clears throat> up there, we drive a car to go to the bar. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Everybody sounds like Peter Griffin. <laughs> <laughs> get some you get some lobster, you know. Yeah. Uh, but <clears throat> that's, that's – and that would be – that's number five on my list is my family and my upbringing because I have been influenced by that so much that I don't want to go there and it's a drive, you know. I, I, I love, but in a sense, I love it too. I, you know, how many times I. It's I've, who you are. It, it is who you are. It, and just like you, you were talking about where you, where you grew up. That's who you are and what has made you what you are, and that's exactly what it is. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not disappointed in anybody who's in my life, and I'm not. I'm not mad. I'm not. You know, I don't. Like, wish this was never my life. I actually am grateful for it at times. And I've told my wife stories about, you know, just different things in my childhood. And and she, she'll she shake her head like, well, I can't believe it. You know, and, you know, it's just, that's it, man. You know, I mean, you meet yeah. some different people. But so there's five influencers. You gave five, I gave five. Yeah. Uh, but it all boils back to is give me five influencers or, you know, and, 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 we talk about the Jim Rohn thing and, you know, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And if you look at it, like I looked at my list, I don't know if it's your list and what you, and maybe you've got something from your list. When I looked at my list, it was funny when I got done, I didn't have this idea in mind when I got done and I looked at it, I was like, Oh my goodness. There's a common, there's a common theme here. It was struggle and rising above. It was a struggle and rising above all five of them for mine. And it really, it, 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 it kind of tweaked my mind a little bit. You know, I was like, wow, that's, that's really something. And I didn't mean to do it, you know? So what you got? Um, yeah. I, you know, I, when I was sitting down with mine, it was, so I had the conversation with my wife and I excluded her and I said, I got four and here's what I got. And, uh, did you tell her – you didn't tell her she was one, did you? Uh-uh, no. Okay. And um, – or did I? Oh, maybe I did. I may have told her you're going to get a mention. That's what it was. But, <laughs> but she helped me come up with the with one of them, and, and, and it's because she can see the influence in yeah in me from, from those things. So she definitely had, came up with one. Nobody knows me better than her, so I, I greatly appreciated her assistance because I was really struggling with the yeah. fifth one because there's a lot. You know, professionally, I could do five just from yeah. the military. Yeah. Um, from the family, I could probably yeah. get out five. So those, it was a little difficult, more difficult than I thought it would be. Um, it can be tough, but it was interesting. It, it it can be really tough, and like we said, it wasn't like it's not the top five. It's just five. Just come up with five. It's just five I can... thought of yesterday. Yeah. Uh, day before yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Uh, tomorrow could be five different ones. Yeah, you could think of more, you know. Um, 
But I would tell you, you know, we're kind of we're pushing the envelope on this podcast. This is, this is much longer than our first. Yep. One. And um, my wife has just influenced me to go cut grass. Absolutely. And I got to go home too because by the time I get home, it'll be <laughs> like almost nine o'clock. Um, with that, last time you said, did you just tell them to do something? And I'm gonna do it again. You're gonna give them homework two podcasts in a row. Oh, they're getting it every time, bro. Oh man. Yeah. So you're that guy. <laughs> no, not that guy. But this is what I want to see. So we have the new, we have the Facebook group page. If you're not a member, become a member. Uh, we also we can leave us rates and reviews. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, whatever you're listening to us on, leave us a rate and review. And let us know what you think. But I want you to go into the if you're if you're a part of the Facebook group, go in there where you see this podcast announced. Put in the comments five of your influencers that you would love other people to know about that has influenced you uh, from day one, from yesterday, whatever it is. I think when you start thinking about these things, you start reflecting on what you need to. So, uh, But other than that, this it's been a good one. I enjoyed it. It's been fun. Um, yeah. I'm very much a nostalgia or a reminiscing kind of person. I like thinking about things from the past and be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we, uh, we haven't determined what we're going to talk about next podcast. We probably we will probably talk about it at some point this week. I'm going to be off for the week. You're um, you're actually going to be with some friends this weekend. Tomorrow, I'm yeah. To see one of my influencers, I'm going to visit yeah. tomorrow. So. Absolutely. But uh, we're both going to be kind of out of the. But we're gonna we're gonna do another one probably by the end of the week. Whatever. Maybe we'll do it over Skype. We haven't done that yet. So. Um, I would just tell you, hey, please rate, review us, uh, leave your comments on the Facebook group page. Remember, that's called the Instinctive Influencers. Uh, you can look it in the search bar on your Facebook page. You can also find, I'll leave a link in the show notes. Just go in there, write what you think. Um, if you also have questions or you have topics you want us to talk about, throw it at us and we'll uh, make sure that we try to include it we try to we'll try to you know recognize you as much as we can on here uh if you leave something because hey if it's your idea we're not going to steal it we're going to give you the credit due but this has been the instinctive influencers instinctive influencers podcast i'm brian and i am ed and we thank you for listening see you later